Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. How you doing, Dad? Yeah, I'm very well, Steve. I'm particularly well at the moment because we've just had the, almost the final touch uh, on our renovations here. And uh, this morning, only about half an hour ago, they left. So we're, um, we're quite chuffed at the moment. It looks very nice. Excellent, excellent. You've had a good week then. Feeling good. It's been a good week. Yes, yes, a good week. Uh-huh. And uh, we've got um, Bank Holiday on Monday too. So we've got a very busy Broadstairs now. They've got a fair down the front and things going on. So they, they do, I suppose, being a... Um, uh, a visitor centre, really, seaside visitor centre, you find that people are, you know, obviously coming by their train loads and bus loads and car loads and fill the place up, especially on a, um, like a bank holiday. Very, very mm. busy. Yeah. Mm. I Good. expect when the sun comes out, everyone's on the beach. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a bit chilly at the moment um, down there, but... Um, We've got a, you know, on the sea, you get a sea breeze and uh, it uh, can be a bit chilly, but people don't mind that. I do, but they don't. So, yeah. <laughs> sort of, I saw them all paddling yesterday. So, so no, um, it's very nice. It's a lovely place to be, and as you know, and uh, you were brought up here, so you know it so well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. As it heads into this spring to summer it gets uh gets very busy but then the hot weather and uh it really just comes alive doesn't it the place any any i imagine any seaside town um does exactly the same thing it just lifts and um it's yeah. full of people um including all the locals out and about um excellent so this week uh we've got a youtube comment we want to mention um which might lead us on to a little bit of discussion and uh, also a new picture. You finished the picture that we were talking about last week. Um, so we will show everyone that as well. Um, but first, let's talk about this YouTube comment. It was a really lovely comment that came from Mary. And um, I want to read it out on this podcast. Mary says, uh, hello, I remember seeing you year in, year out at the Business Design Centre at Islington for the Art Materials Exhibition. We came along with a coachload of artists and my friend and I always made a beeline to see you. You were always so very interesting and explained things so well. So thank you. Regards, Mary. So I just thought it'd be interesting to bring up that show that you used to do mm. and, and, mm. and reminisce on, a, on that time. So what can you tell us about the Islington show, Dad, that you used to do? Well, the first show, the Art material show, um, I'd already done... Um, quite a lot of work for the Artists and Illustrators magazine um, prior to the show. So I was sort of set really well um, to be one of the demonstrators there. And there wasn't many. I think we started off with only about three, but it wasn't at the Design Centre in Islington. This was in, oh gosh, where was it? I can't remember. Isn't it amazing? I can't remember. In London, anyway, but it wasn't Design Centre. It started off, it was just one show there that they had, uh, and uh, it was absolutely heaving, really heaving. And I suppose because I was one of, I think, three, I can't remember whether there were three or four actual physical demonstrators there, 
obviously people were gravitated to us and uh, consequently we were very busy. And in that show, the four-day show, and after the, I think it was the second day, I think it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, so with the Thursday and the Friday, we were selling the pastel pencils. This was Carbothello, at that, the Swanstabilo Carbothello pencils at that time. And they sold out. They completely sold out. They had to get fresh stock in for the Saturday and Sunday. It was absolutely manic. Um, I, I Very, very fond memories of that because I was working from the time they opened to the time they closed and crowds of people around me. And it was a good introduction to the show. That then went on, the next year went on to the design centre. And... Uh, I think it was Westminster Hall, was it Westminster Hall? I'll see if I can find out. It was a long time ago anyway now. Um, but when we went to the design centre, and that stayed there for, gosh, eight, nine years, I suppose it must have been, at least. And uh, I went to every show. And uh, it was very, very enjoyable. It was a lovely venue. And, and again, people were... Um, very kind, you know. But by the time we got to the second or third art material show, demonstrators um, flocked to the place. Almost every stand had a demonstrator on. So um, it, it, it eked the people out a bit. We didn't get quite so many. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> that, we were, were still very busy, as Mary, I'm sure, will testify. So was this or you were representing Stabilo in the Carbothello range? To start with, I did, yes, for um, probably about three years, four years, three or four years, I was demonstrating for Swan Stabilo. Funny enough, a little story here, um, I got approached by um, Faber-Castell to demonstrate for them, Right. This was before the show. I think it was probably about a month or two before the show actually came. I can't remember what date that was. And uh, it was very interesting. And I said, well, yes, I, uh, they promised me this and they promised me that, which, in fairness, they did fulfil. And I said, well, OK, yes, I, I'll, I'll switch camps. Um, but I couldn't switch camps until after the art material show. So at the art material show, I had to demonstrate the Carbothello, even though I had one foot, more than one foot, in the Faber-Castell camp. Very interesting. And so uh, they knew it. Though they knew it, they, uh, the, um, the organisers advertised me being there. They, everything, all the adverts had gone out. So kind, I kind of had to do the show for Swans to Below. Uh, but they weren't terribly happy, as you can imagine, because they knew I was going. Yeah. Never mind. But but we got we got through it, and uh, and then from then onwards, all the other shows I did was for Faber Castell. So was that were, were they near each other? Was that a bit awkward the next year that you were over at the Faber stand? Did they have someone new for for Carbothello in at that point? They they didn't have a demonstrator, Faber Castell. It was when I say it was Faber Castell, it was the agency in this country that um, 
uh, West Design products that were actually demonstrating, and they were demonstrating more than just the Carbatella pencils. They did an awful lot of different products, so on their stand they had quite a lot, a range of products. But I don't, I don't remember them having a demonstrator at that time, at the same time that I was demonstrating. Well, uh, were they near each other? No, not really. No, it's a big show, vast. You know, I, uh, I can't remember where they were, but they weren't actually that close. Did, uh, did Stabilo have a demonstrator after you left? Did they get someone new in? No, they didn't. And I think they packed up going, actually, West Design at that time. They didn't go, not West Design. I think they packed up um, soon after that, demonstrating there. There was a lot of internal things going on, and uh, I, I don't think they they continued. So, but at that time, uh, I switched camps, and it was a good thing, a very good thing I did. It wasn't I, there was no regrets there at all. Faber Castell did me proud. Mm. Yeah, and the the product itself, if you think about the what the the product, the difference in product, and how that shaped the rest of your career. Mm. Um, was huge, you know. Well, funny enough, again, there's some stories here, plenty of stories. I was approached by Swanstabilo, and and they, I said, well, not Swanstabilo, Faber Castell, uh, or as it was West Design, who were distributors for Faber Castell, and they, when they asked me to do it, I said, well, to be honest, I've got, I love um, the Carbatella pencils and. Really, Faber Stella have got to match them, so she bought me some along. The lady who was um, uh, organising all this bought me some of the Faber Castell pencils to try, and I fished out a white and a black. Now, the reason I did that is because the black was it was a, it was black, black is black, but I could have done with more intensity. The white. Again, it was white, but I could have done with a brighter white. Got me? And as soon as I put the black Faber-Castell pencil on the paper and the white, I could see a difference. That was enough for me to say, well, I can see a difference because I had them side by side. Uh, I'll join you. It was very important to me because I'd done quite a lot of work uh, with the carpath uh, with the uh, pastel pencil, and I knew what I was looking for. So with just the white and the black, you could tell well, the, the I, pigment yes, was different. But it, it run. I, I assumed that it would run all the way through the pencils, and I was right. I, I think the um, the other problem with Carbothello, I don't want to knock them because I still think they're a very good pencil. As you know, I still use them. Um, but I did find that they did break. Um, but the Faber-Castell pencils had a, a, um, a glue spot all the way through the um, lead. You know, the pencil, I call it lead, but you know what, it's a pastel. And that stopped the breaking. And uh, I found then, from then onwards, the, I didn't have the same problem of breakages that mm. I did with the Garbathella. So, mm. as I said, it, altogether, it was a good move. Mm. 
Well, thank you, Mary, for that trip down memory lane. That was really interesting, and it's nice to touch on the exhibition circuit that you used to do and um, refresh people. I think we've touched on it in previous earlier on episodes, but it's nice to talk about it uh, now and revisit it. Let's move on to the picture that you've completed this week. So I'm going to pop it up on screen for everyone now, and this has come out just beautifully. I think that the... um, composition the background um it's so small but you wouldn't think it unless you had the the measurements along the sides um it looks great dad tell us about it how did you find this one well i found it again my usual reference on pixabay and you mentioned the composition that's what sold it to me i love the composition of that picture um and I thought, gosh, I've got to do this. Originally, I was going to do it bigger than that. I was going to do it my usual size, you know, which is twice the size that uh, I've, I've indicated on there. But then um, the it, it, this was before I did the miniature of the uh, lighthouse in the sunset miniature. And so I thought to myself, OK, I think I'll do a miniature. But when I looked at the flowers, I thought, well... It will ta- it will take a smaller picture very well, but I don't think it would do a miniature. I think a miniature would have been lost. So I then opted for the size that we've got there, which is perfect. And uh, but I I would say that anybody wanting to do this picture when it comes up, probably they could afford to maybe have it a little bit bigger, make it a bit bigger, not too big. It wouldn't doesn't justify it sometimes steve you, you know the bigger if you've got a like the, the mill that i did uh, a few pictures ago um maple durham mill wasn't it that, that had so much in it that it could do with a bigger picture but this was small and uh it didn't and i also the flowers whilst they're very attractive as a picture I didn't think the tulips really were um, brilliantly um, portrayed on the photograph. So I I thought that if I blew that up, it wouldn't look quite as nice as it did in that uh, finished picture. All of these things, you see, Steve, I I take into consideration before I do a picture. Hmm. I'm attracted to it straight away from the composition and uh, colours and the background. Now, the background here, when people see the original picture, which um, they will do on the video because um, I show them the reference, it had like two tones. That colour that you see there was on the left of the picture. Then it melted into a lighter colour, greyish colour. And whilst that was okay from the photographic point of view, it wouldn't have worked or and certainly I didn't think it would work with the colours that uh, I've actually eventually put in as a uniform colour, slightly lighter on the bottom, the right-hand side and the bottom of the right-hand side of the picture, and darker on the other side. Uh, but again, it's balancing it up, and um, uh, I, a lot of thought goes into it. Yeah, it's interesting to hear what makes an appealing picture to you and um as we touched upon it was either last week or the week before i I can't remember maybe the week before about understanding 
more about what you look for to i suppose it's the same kind of answer really what makes that pinch picture interesting or what um features of a picture are uh jump out to you and i'd say definitely as you said the tulips weren't particularly like um mind-blowing in this picture so you didn't want to draw too much attention to that and make it bigger um but i would say the composition is what makes this picture so appealing um and then the for such a small picture to have the drama of the shading because it, it looks like quite a complicated lighting situation um with these curved leaves and everything like that so it's um it's really fascinating to see that actually the tulip isn't the main attraction to this picture it's the it's the the dramatic shadowing the background and the composition that make it actually interesting that's absolutely right and uh, that's what attracted me to it when you look at a picture first of all and you're attracted to it you're attracted to it because it appeals gosh that really looks lovely and then you start picking it to bits think yeah but that's right yes i've got that not that and but you shouldn't do that really you should look at it and say that's very pleasing to the eye and so i i have that um, in my mind when i'm doing the picture although i do uh, have attention to detail i also look at it and thinking hang on i don't want to make this too detailed detailed enough to be representative of, of what i'm trying to do but not too detailed because uh, otherwise it's lost again you lose the the impact the originality as it goes and but i did have to do something about the background that that couldn't i couldn't have done well i could have done I, and it would have been okay but that's not good enough for me it's got to be stunning which is uh, how it turned out I'm very pleased with that actually so would you say, if you design this one as an uh, intermediate or an advanced, how, how do you feel about the difficulty of this one? I think intermediate, Steve. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy, particularly the background is not going to be easy. But the way I've done it and the way people will see how I've done it, it's possible. One of the things that helps a lot is the ground colour. Now this is on light grey pastel map paper and the ground colour there, normally I'd put white or grey, wouldn't I? But in this case I put 132 pink. Now 132 is a favourite of mine. Uh, I use it a lot, particularly in portrait work and a lot of animals work where I need that uh, nice pink. Once again, Faber-Castell come up trump here. I could have used another colour, but the 132 I know is a good colour, a good ground colour. It goes onto pastel mat really well and it rubs in really well because it's got a soft softness to it. And I knew this before I even put it on. So I thought, well, that has got to be my ground colour. Once you've got that on there, it fills the paper up nicely and then you can put other colours in. There's quite a lot of other colours go into it. But I've spent time over the last few weeks talking about base colours haven't I you can see in this one you see how important it was but because it's um, a pink it's not a very bright pink now people know I'm sure 130 that I've used with the Creta colour 
um, which is a light pink. Now I could have used that, but that wouldn't have worked so well because you've got the tulips which are white and um, the 130 which I use in Creta Colour is also a very very light colour and you wouldn't get the, the contrast between the two whereas the 132 is just that little bit darker and uh, it gives you a, a, a lovely contrast because you've got to get that almost immediately when you're doing especially I started with the tulips you've got to have a contrast there and that's got to be put in uh, and it's got to react almost immediately for me I hope that helps yeah that's that's really fascinating it is always interesting to hear you just dissect a picture a little bit more um, and this you know appeals to our the flowers uh, lovers out there that that really enjoy doing still life so um, hopefully this will be an, an interesting and nice change for for not only them but also for for others on our uh, website so excellent well this picture will be coming soon i'm working away through editing a lot of the projects at the moment we've uh the next one we've got coming which uh, i'm just finishing off um should be up in the next week hopefully is the australian shepherd i know that's uh, oh. just a, a gorgeous one um that you've done and i've thoroughly enjoyed editing it actually it's been really interesting to watch you do that there's so many bits that i've picked out and thought i would love to break this down and talk to you about this because there's certainly uh transformations that happen within that picture that i i, I was really a pleasure to watch so that one is uh coming out hopefully in the next week uh, i know there's a huge backlog of things that we've working through so we are working through them and um we put the husky up i think last week or the week before another animal this week and then we'll work through different subject matter um but we'll add this one to the list that you've done this week um do you have anything else lined up next, Dad? I have. I was waiting for you to ask me that. And normally I say, well, I'm scratching about a bit. But not anymore, I'm not. I've got um, the next picture I'm doing, Steve, and I can tell you about it if you like. It's, it's, it's sort of a commission, but it's not a commission. Uh, it was a picture I saw my grandson um, was um, at, at a party we went to a couple of weeks ago. And he brought his young lady along and we were talking about pictures, you know, as you do. And she's, and she's, she's um, I think she's a vet or vet's assistant, something like that. And uh, she was saying that, oh, yes, I, I said, oh, interesting. And I was talking about animals and cats and dogs and so on. And uh, then she said, oh, we've got a cat. It's a sphinx. I thought, well, sphinx, yeah. And I showed interest, as you would, and uh, she showed it to me. And it's one of those cats, very peculiar, really, looking cats, but, but uh, lovable anyway. And it hasn't got any fur on it. It's just, just skin. Well, I suppose there's fur, but it, it looks like skin. So I said, gosh, I've been looking for one of these for a long time. Because you know, I've done all the furry ones and, and, and uh, I thought it would be nice to do something different. Anyway, she agreed that um, I could actually do the picture for you or for the, um, the uh, members. And I'm sure they'll find it very interesting. I'm going to find it fascinating to do. Very different. 
And of course, once I've finished it, I'll give it to her. So, lovely. What I'm also doing, though, and this is recent, she doesn't know about this yet, but uh, I decided to treat it as though our customers, and I'm sure many of them, think, well, what do you do about framing? How do you frame it? Well, I'm going to take them through right from the beginning. I've bought a frame already. It's not a very big picture. I'm not going to make it big. I've bought the frame already, which is a lovely frame. Not expensive. You can buy it um, over the counter as a ready-made frame. But I can do it because I, once I decided the size of the picture, I then found a frame that suited it. So I matched the mount, not the frame, the mount, to the picture. I thought, okay, that would fit really nicely in this particular. I took actually I took a photocopy of the um, picture with me, so I knew that uh, this was the size it was going to be. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show the people uh, the frame that I chose, how I did it, and how I arrived at the um, the process that I'm now going to be starting on. Then I'm going to do the picture. Then I'm going to frame it, and they'll see it all frames ready to be housed and sent to the customer. So it's a, it's a big project and I think people will love the process that I go through. Brilliant. Brilliant. That sounds great. That sounds excellent. Uh, what an expansion on what was already going to be uh, a really interesting picture to do. So thanks, Dad. Um, look forward to seeing how you get on with that whole new load of techniques, I'm sure. Um, something we've never seen you do before so very exciting indeed excellent well if anyone has anything they'd like us to discuss on a future episode then as always just get in touch with us via the many methods that are out there nowadays um, and we will be back next week to hear how dad got on with the sphinx cat so probably how i'm getting on <laughs> i don't think it'll be finished this is going to be this is going to be a, a bit more involved than uh, i've done before excellent we'll get a work in progress next week then fantastic well we'll leave it there for for this week so thank you everyone for watching and listening i'm stephen bradley and i'm colin bradley enjoy, enjoy your week, week.